You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. We, um, last week, Anthony began a new series called New Creation, kicking off talking about how, how the old has gone, how the new has come, and that God is making all things new. And so for these next few weeks, up until May 1st, we're going to be looking at uh, a new creation. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking about resurrection. And uh, we're going to be looking at the story of Lazarus. So if you have a Bible, you might want to open it up to John 11. Because what I'm going to be doing is we're going to be looking through the whole story of Lazarus, right from when Jesus finds out that he's sick, all the way through to even after he's been raised from the dead. Spoiler alert, sorry. And, um, and so we're going to be looking at chapter 11 and 12. So you might want to have it open and have it, have it there. If you, if we haven't got time to read it all today. Um, but some of those verses will come on the screen. I encourage you to read it uh, during the week. See what God says to you. So just a little bit of context before we kick off in verse 17. Um, Jesus and the disciples have just got word that Jesus' friend, it says the one that he loves, is ill, Lazarus. But Jesus decides not to go immediately to Bethany and uh, says something that surprise, surprise, his disciples don't understand. He talks in kind of the Jesus way where disciples don't really understand what he's saying. And, um, and there seems to be two things on Jesus' mind right now. The two things on his mind seem to be that he's, he's just about to perform this miracle, this sign um, of resurrection to raise Lazarus from the dead. But also Bethany, where he's going to, where they live, is only a, a, a short walk away from Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem is where conflict awaits and his own death awaits. Okay, so this is what's on Jesus' mind as, as he's getting here. And so what, I'm, what we're going to do in, in this passage is we're going to look at the character of Martha, then the character of Mary, then we're going to look at um, the, the resurrection of Lazarus, then we're going to look at Lazarus' new life, and then we're going to tie it all together in a nice bow. Okay? All right. So, John 11, verse 17 says this, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. And Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. First thing that surprises me here in this story is that it is Martha rather than Mary who comes to Jesus, right? So back in Luke, um, we, when we first meet um, uh, Martha and Mary in the story, Jesus is at their, at their home and um, Martha's busy making dinner while Mary is at his feet and Martha gets annoyed and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, no, there's something better. It's better to be with me. And I think here she's learnt that lesson. She hears that Jesus is coming. She knows I know, I know the right thing to do. The right thing to do is to be with Jesus. He told me that last time. So she goes out running to Jesus. She's learned that lesson. And indeed, she's, she's the kind of person that's very keen to get things right. 
Okay? She's very keen to get things right, as we see in their exchange, where Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus isn't really interested in what she thinks she knows. Okay? Jesus isn't really interested in what she thinks she knows. And we can see the limit of her imagination of what Jesus can really do. She has no idea what he's about to do. And let us note that he has already raised two people from the dead, right? So he's already raised two people from the dead. It's something that she could imagine, but she's not been able to, that this is why Jesus has come. And so she hears Jesus' response to her, your brother will rise again, and she thinks, ah, I know the answer to this one. I've been to Pharisee school. I've, I've heard all the best sermons. I know the answer to this one. Ah, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Correct answer. Tick. Well done. Here's a cookie. <laughs> and it's a perfectly acceptable and actually correct theological answer. But Jesus isn't interested in her theology. He's interested in her faith. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So what he says is, no, my dear Martha, I'm going to raise him now. Do you believe in me? And Jesus is looking beyond what we learned at Sunday school. Jesus is looking beyond what we learned on the healing course we did or or the Bible study we loved, or the great book we read. He is looking to see what we believe. He is saying, do you trust me? Not do you have the answers, but do you trust me? And she does. And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. And this simple step of faith is so important. That new life and new creation is not something that is going to happen at an unspecified date in the future, but that it is happening right now and has already begun. That's what Jesus is saying here. New life, new creation is already happening and has already begun. Why? Because I'm here. And if the whole church could make that simple leap of faith that Martha makes here from thinking that it's something in the future to something right now, then we would never be the same, quite literally. Okay, so that's Martha. We're going to move on to Mary. So in verse 28, it says, When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved and in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. 
So the Jews said, see how he loved him. I want to note two things about this interaction with Mary before we move on to the resurrection itself. The first is this. The first is, once again, Mary is found at the feet of Jesus. Back when they're having the meal where we first see Mary and Martha together in their home and that whole incident, you see Mary's at the feet of Jesus wanting to learn and to listen. And here she is now in her grief, in her pain and in her suffering. And where does she go? She goes to the feet of Jesus. And then we see in the very next chapter, Mary once again at the feet of Jesus, pouring out perfume, pouring out love, kissing and wiping his feet. Her favorite place to be is at the feet of Jesus. Mary's favorite place to be is at the feet of Jesus. And you see that time and time again. And this is why Jesus doesn't need to have with her the theological conversation about when the dead will be resurrected. Because he can see that she believes in him because of her worship, because of where she puts herself, because how she places herself in her life, always at the feet of Jesus. He can see that she believes in him because of her worship. And the second thing I want to say here is that this little interaction nicely kills the notion that it is women who are more emotional and men who are more thoughtful and cerebral, right? It is Martha who, who does not shed a tear. It's Martha who wants to talk theology, whilst it is Jesus who can't keep hold of his emotions, Right? It is Jesus who can't keep hold of his emotions. The original Greek is, is quite certain here. It's like Jesus is distraught. He can't keep his, what does that say? Schneikies. Schneikies. He can't keep his schnikes together. He can't keep it together. He's absolutely distraught right now. So you can cast away your narrow notions that women are the emotional ones and men are the thoughtful ones because we're all more complicated than that, right? Let's move on to the resurrection. It says in in verse 38, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha. The sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. In the King James Version it says, He stinketh. (laughs) Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. When Jesus arrived in Bethany and he's met by Martha and Mary, they both say the same thing to him, right? They both say the same thing to him. They say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, right? Both say the same thing. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. You see, they believe that he is Lord and they believe that he is good. And they believed that he is powerful, but they also believed that he was late. 
right? You see, it is possible for us to believe that God is good, to believe that he is all-powerful, to believe that he is sovereign over all, but to believe that he was late in our lives, right? To believe that he missed it, he missed the moment. To believe he wasn't there, to believe that he forgot, to believe that the time passed, that the season went, and whatever hope or dream or expectation you had of God to move, he was late. And you can still believe he was good. You can still believe he was powerful. But you can believe he was late. That he missed it. It is possible to think all these good things about God and to still not have faith. But for all Martha and Mary know about Jesus, all that they believe about Jesus, they still don't understand. And Jesus arrives right when he wants to, to show them one thing, that he is not in the business of resuscitation, he is in the business of resurrection, right? He is not in the business of improving your life, he's in the business of giving you a whole new one. You see, the resurrection is not an event that is to come, the resurrection is a person, He says, I am the resurrection, right? It's not an event that's going to happen. It's a person, and his name's Jesus. And he says, I am the resurrection. So what he's saying here, and what he's doing here, is saying, where I am, there is new life. Where I am, there is new mercy. Where I am, there is new hope, right? But what he did with Mary and Martha here, and sometimes he does this with us, is that sometimes he lets the old hope die. Sometimes he wants to let our old, old hope die because our hope was in what we thought we knew and not in him alone. And in knowing him and in knowing his resurrection power, we grow a new hope placed firmly and only and entirely in him. Not what we think we know, not what we think he's about, but in him, actually in him, in the resurrection himself. Not the act of a resurrection, but in the resurrection himself. And there, before their eyes and before our eyes, Lazarus is raised from the dead. Where he is, there is new life. Where he is, there is new mercy. Where he is, there is new hope. Now I want to skip ahead. And I want to look at Lazarus's new life as a raised man. We get a little glimpse into what his new life's about. So we're going to skip forward to John 12, verse 1 and 2, and then over to 9 and 11, where it says, um, verse 1 of John 12, Six days before the Passover, Jesus, therefore, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. So, so they gave a dinner for him there. And Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. And then skipping to verse 9, it says, When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. Because of on account of him, 
many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. And I want to highlight three things about Jesus's, uh, sorry, Lazarus's brand new life, okay? His, his lovely, shiny resurrection life, okay? Three things about being resurrected. The first is the intimacy with Jesus. Here Lazarus is, resurrected, and he gets to eat, and he gets to drink, and he gets to recline in Jesus. You can see how close they are. You can see that they have a friendship and a kinship and an intimacy with one another. That's the first thing that marks a resurrected life is intimacy with Jesus. The second is this. The second is that people are coming to faith. All Lazarus is doing is being a new creation, being resurrected, being raised in intimacy with Jesus, and people are coming to faith, right? This is what what Lazarus is doing. He's eating and drinking and in intimacy with Jesus, just simply being resurrected, (laughs) just going about being resurrected, And, um, and people are coming to faith. People are drawn, people are coming to faith which, the faith in Jesus because Lazarus is raised. And I've always struggled with the, with the kind of common idea of evangelism, right? The common idea of evangelism, of us being the ones who go out and we convince other people of the, to mentally agree to some of the things we believe, right? Some of the doctrines we have about Jesus. And instead, what I've learned about evangelism is that evangelism is simply encouraging faith in Jesus. That's all it is. That's all it is. All evangelism is, is the good news. It's simply encouraging faith, hope, and love in Jesus. And to do that, encouraging faith, hope, and love in Jesus with whoever I'm around. Okay? So sometimes I'm around Christians. People, sometimes I'm around people who think they have faith, and they don't really. But they think they do. And so what I do is I encourage them to have faith and hope and love in Jesus, Right? That's what I do. When I'm around people who are red hot on fire for Jesus, do you know what I do? I encourage more, more faith, more hope, more love in Jesus. And when I'm with people who don't yet know him, I do the same thing. I just encourage faith and hope and love in Jesus. But at all times and with all people, I'm encouraging faith, hope and love in him from a place of intimacy with him. Right? That's the second thing that marks a resurrected life. Encouraging faith and hope and love in Jesus from a place of intimacy. And the third thing is this, is that people wanted to kill Lazarus too. Simply for being raised from the dead and hanging out with Jesus. People wanted him dead again. (laughs) And this is the rub. When When you are a new creation, you get to share in all that Jesus has and all he is, and all he is doing. And that, as as Paul says in Romans, is to share in his glory and his sufferings. So poor old Lazarus, right? He begins the story by dying, being sick, being ill, and then he continues in the story by being dead, and then he continues in the story by stinking, and being dressed like a mummy or a zombie or whatever. He stinketh. (laughs) And then he gets to have one nice dinner with Jesus, and then they want to kill him again, right? They want him dead again. And our, our stories are not so different. 
to his, which you may find encouraging or you may find daunting. But what I want to finish with is this. The one constant in this story from start to finish, from right at the beginning of this story when Jesus first finds out about Lazarus to right here now where we say goodbye to Lazarus. The one constant in this story is Jesus' love for him. Jesus' love for him. Way back in John 11, verse 3, it says, Lord, the one you love is ill. And then in verse 33, when he, he finds out he's dead, he was deeply moved. And then in verse 35, it says Jesus wept for him. And then in verse 36, it says they notice and they say, see how he loved him. And then in verse 38, it says Jesus was deeply moved once again. And then right here in chapter 12, we see Lazarus in the arms of Jesus, leaning into him, on his chest, in communion with him. The one constant in in this story, in Lazarus' story and in our story, is Jesus' undying love for us. You see, Jesus loves you when you're dying and you're desperate and you don't know what to do. Jesus loves you when you're dead and you're at the end. Jesus loves you when you're risen but you're still a mess and you still stinketh. And, and you don't look so good in your rags. But you're just trying to be resurrected. <laughs> Jesus loves you when you are with him and you're eating with him and you're drinking with him and you're in intimacy with him. And Jesus loves you when you share in his sufferings. And in this story, in this story of Lazarus, right? This resurrected man. In the story of Lazarus, he does not say a word. Right? Start to finish, he does not say a word. His sisters have plenty to say, but he doesn't say anything. Lazarus does not say a word, not one. He simply dies and rises and receives the love of Jesus. That's his story. He dies, he rises, he receives the love of Jesus. And today you may be in a place where you know you need to die. That something old needs to die. That something of the old self needs to be buried. Has been buried, but you need to come to that realization, really. It is dead. You just need to realize it's dead. Or you may be in a place where you need hope, where you need to be resurrected today with what has gone and what has passed needs to be resurrected and the old life needs to make way for a new life and the old hope that Jesus let die needs to make way for a new hope. But wherever we're at today, we all need to receive the love of Jesus and know that whatever stage we're in, wherever we are, wherever it is, that the love of Jesus is the one constant. It's the one thing. In old creation, in new creation, the love of Jesus is there and it is present and it is here. Amen? Why don't we stand together?